Hey guys, my name is Emily. I'm your host for Keeping Up With Your Breasties. This season is dedicated to sharing other people's stories about self-advocacy or their experience with the medical community, specifically breast cancer survivors. So today we are joined by Lizzie and she is going to tell us her story. Hello, I'm Lizzie and I am 54 years old. And in 2018, I started a journey which Kind of stinks, and but many people have been on this journey. Uh, most people say the journey starts with finding a lump. I actually had knee surgery, and that's how I found out I have cancer, which is odd, I know. Um, I had torn my meniscus, and I knew I was going to have to have surgery and be out of work. So I thought, let me just take care of all the things I've ignored mole patrol, mammogram, well woman, you know, do all the things I was supposed to do and hadn't done in a few years. So I was not concerned about anything. And um, I went and had my mammogram, didn't think anything about it. Then they called me and said, you need to come back for a second one and an ultrasound. And that happened to me in 2011. So I wasn't, again, I wasn't very alarmed. Um, I thought, well, I have dense tissue. It, it is what it is. And then I went for my second uh, visit and the reason I got tested in the first place is because one of my coworkers was diagnosed two months before I was. And when I went for my second mammogram, I was put in a different waiting room, which I thought was odd. And I kind of realized everyone in this waiting room either had cancer or was getting a second, you know, test. And I, I found my friend, Miss Clara. She was there because she was doing a pre-procedure for her uh, lumpectomy. And um, so I thought, oh, this might be more serious than I thought. Um, but I did the test, did the ultrasound, and they said, let's um, do a biopsy next week. And that's a horrible word and nobody likes it. But I still was, maybe I was in denial, but I just thought it, it's not. It, I, I don't have a family history. At the time I was very overweight and um, didn't have the healthiest of lifestyles. But I just thought it's, I'll do it and then they'll say it's nothing. And then um, on September 6th, I was, uh, I had gotten a message from the radiologist. Now I work in labor and delivery. So my gynecologist is somebody I see every day, I consider her a friend, I'll text her about some things. And I thought, if I have cancer, Connie's gonna call me. I'm gonna hear it from her. So when I realized I got a message from the radiologist who I don't know, I thought, okay, this is good. So I called the radiologist and her first words were, the results are positive. And I said, great. And she said, no, no, positive for cancer. And of course, you know, it's just, you're hit in the face with a brick. You just can't wrap your mind around it. And she gave me some information. And, and then at the end she said, are you gonna be okay? And I said, well, how the heck should I know? No, and I didn't mean to be sarcastic, but it just kind of catches you off guard. Um, hung up the phone and I started to fall off the couch. And I realized, you know, I had knee surgery. I can't fall off the couch. <laughs> so I just kind of sobbed and opened up my computer to look at invasive ductal carcinoma. And I didn't like what I saw. So I shut the tablet. And then I just kind of freaked out for several weeks. I didn't tell anyone right away. It's just me and my son who's an adult. And I didn't want to tell my son or my mother until I had an idea of what I was looking at. Is this 
horribly bad? Is this really good? We caught it early. You know, I didn't want to go to them until I'd seen the specialist. So for a few weeks, it was pretty awful, as anyone who's gone through it will, will tell you. And especially when you're alone in the middle of the night, scary. Um, and then I finally did get to see all the specialists. And finally, after two weeks, called my son and told him and, you know, we cried and everything's okay. And then I told my mom and um, I didn't really share it on Facebook. I uh, Not for any reason other than I have a lot of Facebook friends that I knew in high school and it just was my story. So I just told a few close friends via email and I, and, and my work friends too. And I said, you know, it's fine if you tell people because they're going to find out. And I don't, I just don't want to make an announcement. So over the next few weeks and, you know, people knew and um, very supportive and um, Jackie Zavoda are you know, friends through the fight. I knew her when she was a brand new baby nurse. And it was like nine o'clock at night, 9.30, I was in bed. I did get to work the next day and I got this little message from her. And it just said, I'm here, I'm here. And it meant everything to me. It just, I am alone and it is scary, but she's gone through it. And I think if I had picked up the phone and said, can you come over and hold me while I weep? She would have. So, um, then I went on to, you know, I wanted a double mastectomy. I wanted hysterectomy and um, ovaries. I mean, I wanted everything gone because mine was fueled by estrogen and progesterone for two negative. In the meantime, I, while I'm waiting to have all these surgeries done, I herniated a disc in my back, which I thought, oh my God, it's spread to my spine because that's where I go. Um, so that was sort of a 2018 was a very difficult year and I spent a lot of money in healthcare dollars. Um, I did not, it did not spread to my spine. It was a herniated disc. So I had started letrozole shortly after I got diagnosed. Um, my doctor said no chemo, which I said, I think you're wrong. I need chemo. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm right. And, you know, did the genetics and all that stuff. Um, so letrozole was the plan, lumpectomy and nodes, and then five weeks of radiation. Before I had the lumpectomy, I herniated the disc. And then it was like, they, they said, well, we'll do the surgery, but you can't do five weeks of radiation if you can't lay down and stay in one spot for 15 minutes. So then I had the discectomy healed from that. And then I did radiation and I'm still on the letrozole. And I, I don't like to complain because I didn't have chemo. I didn't lose my hair. My hair is thinning. But, you know, that's what happens when you stop estrogen and progesterone in your body. And if that's what happens, then uh, it's worth it. I'll take it. I'll do it. And that's where you're at? Pretty much. You know, I'm, I, I go every six months to the oncologist and he's wonderful. And I, after I had the discectomy and then I did radiation, I was in physical therapy. And that's kind of where things changed for me in that. I had been right before I got diagnosed, I was trying to get approved for gastric sleeve. And of course I had to put that on hold, but when I was in physical therapy, I mean, it was life-changing. And then of course, insurance said, you're, you're better. You can go back to work and whatever. Well, I was already back at work. I'm sorry. Um, and the physical therapist is like, you have to join a gym and you have to lose some weight. And so I just thought, you know, he's right. I didn't, I didn't get cancer because I was living on, you know, 
fruits and berries and salads. I, 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 I had an unhealthy lifestyle and it was time to change. So I did kind of drastically. And pretty much, you know, I saw my text mix because life is about balance and uh, I need that. But, you know, for the most part, I'm trying to make smart choices. And I, you know, I may have five years left. I may have 50 years left. I don't know. I have no evidence of disease right now. And I'll take that um, and then be, you know, cancer changes you. It, I hate that I got it but I'm not upset with the person who's come out the other side. I kind of like her a lot. So, you know, and I hope that what happens to anyone who gets it, it's, you know, you do feel, um, why me, this stinks, I, I hate this. And, you know, when I was in the middle of the, the back surgery and the waiting for radiation and I'm not working and I'm staring at the wall, why did this happen to me? Um, a coworker of mine, the third person to get diagnosed in 10 months, was 27 at the time. And she goes, oh, I just want you to know I got it too. And it was like a light switched on in me. Like you're a child. This, I've had a child. I've raised my, my son. I, I had a good career. I've traveled the world. I don't want to die, but I, you're at the beginning. And then I just became like a mama bear. And I said, you, you got to meet these people at friends through the fight. They, everyone there has been through your journey and you know, and then she joined. And then a few months later, my manager also joined. So there's four of us that, you know, we go every year to the friends through the fight lunch. And of course not last year, but, um, you know, we just know what each other's going through. Yeah. I will say that friends through the fight was really instrumental in the beginning of my cancer journey. And it still is. It's nice to have women, no matter what age they are, that you can reach out and you know that, you're not going to get like a, like a WTF face. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you want me to see your boobs? What's going on? It's that, or like when pe I realized people at work knew, you know, I'd walk into the lounge and everyone stopped talking. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm very private, but I'm also kind of, it's like, y'all, it's okay to talk about me. I'm not upset. I hope this gets everyone to go to the doctor. Um, but I, my friend Libra, who also got diagnosed, um, when she went to the first luncheon for friend, her first time to the luncheon, she said it was so nice to not have to wear my cap. Mm -hmm. Because everyone there either didn't have hair or at one point in their time, you know, it, it, you, everyone there was the same and it didn't matter. No one was looking at her as she walked to the grocery store. Everyone there knew what she was going through and it didn't matter. You know, we drank and we ate and we took funny pictures and it was just nice for her. And I, I agree that, you know, everyone there has been through the journey and that's what you want. Yeah, no, I know that for me, at least when I had bald, I loved my bald head. I rocked it. It was for at least a portion of that. I was just so hot all the time that I didn't want anything. I didn't want to wear a wig. I loved my scarves and my head head wraps mm -hmm. and stuff, but a lot of the times I just couldn't wear them. Yeah. And I don't think anyone looked at me any kind of way just because of my age and like with the new, I guess, millennials or whatever, like they're not surprised when a young woman has a shaved head. Yeah. And so, and I'm a little bit chunkier. So like, 
they don't associate that with being sick. Um, yeah, yeah, it took me, I had, I got my head hennaed. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, wow. I did that relatively soon after going bald. And that grabbed some attention from at least one woman in like Randall's and she and I became Facebook friends and because one of her friends was going through breast cancer. So yeah. It's funny how you can make those connections. I was, um, during my treatment, I was on a plane, the doctor said I could go. And as I was, uh, coming back from this place, I was reading a a book that was very instrumental and I highly recommend it. It's called anti-cancer a new way of life the anti-cancer diet a new way of life and it's it's got about a lot of nutrition stuff which I already knew but ignored because you know I like to eat um but it was more about how you live your life if you have six weeks left if you have 60 years left and I'm on the plane and I'm reading it as we're getting off a woman says are you reading that because you're trying to lose weight or because you have cancer I said I have cancer and she goes me too. I read it. It's a great book. It's going to change your life. And it was just this one moment in time that two people who had either gone through it or going through it connected on a plane. I, I don't know her name. I'll never see her again. But, you know, it just little things like that makes your heart say, okay, I can get through this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do we have anything else? I think we answered all of the questions that I had kind of like prepped for us. Um, other yeah, like than- I said, I tend to ramble on, but uh- yeah, <laughs> I mean, but all this is good information. All of it can help somebody out there. And another thing, I think a lot of women like me who are single, raised their child or used to doing for themselves, definitely something I learned and I, I didn't let anyone in. And I didn't let anyone help. When I had to go get my MRI with coils, I can't get into the MRI without a little Xanax. And I thought, well, I can't drive myself. So I took Uber. Mm. And one of my friends said, you know, you're not, we all feel helpless. And all we want to do is bring you food or take you to an appointment. And you're not letting us do that, and which made me cry. But I think when you're so used to being alone and, you know, I support myself. I'm, you know, this woman, and you, it's okay to say, "Can you drive me to the MRI?" Because I, I have to take Xanax. I can't drive myself home. It's okay to do that, and I wish I had allowed myself to do that a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. I think that we will call it here and answer any other questions or anything in the next episode. So. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And if you want to hear the rest of Lizzie's story, tune in on Sunday. Uh, Like, follow, subscribe so that you get um, updated whenever a new podcast is posted. And we will see you all next time.